Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. This week, TJ and Sam discuss how to go about improving basketball IQ on your team. For some of us, this is one of our biggest headaches, watching our players take bad shots, turn the ball over, and make poor decisions on both ends of the floor. In this episode, we attack those frustrations with better methods for teaching the game so you can get the biggest return on investment. Before we start, a quick word from Manawata. Coach, would you like to have a team full of great shooters next season? We've partnered with our friends at NOAA to bring to you the Hoops app, a free app to help your players measure the trajectory and arc of their shot. They'll get immediate feedback after every make or miss so that they can course correct and become a better shooter faster. Have your players download the Hoops app at thehoopsapp.com forward slash PGC today so that you can have a team full of better shooters next season. Coaches, welcome to the Hardwood Hustle. Today, Sam and I are going to talk about how to improve basketball IQ. You know, I think we all get frustrated at times that our players don't know how to do this or don't know that or they don't feel the game how we hope they would feel the game. And as coaches, you know, we kind of know what we want to happen, but oftentimes it doesn't go that direction, maybe because the player's not capable of making that read or making that decision. So what are some ways we can tangibly actually improve the basketball IQ of players? I know for many years at PGC, that's something that we've specialized in is, is, is the thinking part of the game, not just actually the skill part of the game. I don't think there's any shortage in the basketball world of skill development, um, but I do think there's a shortage of building basketball IQ. I've seen very few people do it well, um, and I've seen actually probably very few people actually think about that. How do we improve the basketball IQ of a player? Because the smarter our team is, the more options we have of things that we can do and ways that we can steal points and enhance the game and enhance our team. So, Sam, let's jump into basketball IQ. Why don't you open us up with a couple of your thoughts and learnings over the years? Yeah, I like this topic, TJ. When thinking about basketball IQ and how to improve it, you know, let's first just open up with, you know, what what is low IQ? When you think of low basketball IQ, what causes you uh, as a coach frustration and pain and challenges as a coach? And so, TJ, I think what, what I have down in my notes and prep for this was, you know, turnovers you know, as low basketball IQ, there's all, all turnovers aren't created equal. We can talk about that. Bad shots, poor shot selection, poor decisions. You know, a lot of times game, more games are lost than they are won because of these different reasons. A team just beats themselves or another team makes less bad decisions. Therefore, they win. So that's my initial thought, TJ. I know we get in some tangible ways that coaches can – can get in and improve it with their players. But that's what jumps out at me first is defining what low basketball IQ and on the, I guess the opposite of that would be good basketball IQ. Yeah. And so let's dive in here for a second on um, turnovers. And cause I do think that skill acquisition and decision-making all of those things you work on in player development, you know, tie into making a better basketball IQ. I'm going to let's, give you a couple of thoughts here and then let's talk about turnovers for a second, Sam. Like I think a lot of reason we get frustrated with players or think their IQ is low is because they turn the ball over. And so what are things that we can do to improve whether it's their IQ or whatever it is to help them turn the ball over a little bit less? 
one of the things that comes to mind to me that I think is an important part, which is kind of scheme related, is do your players know what their default is when they get into troubled situations? So I'll give you an example, like when we're working with players, if you drive the ball and you get stopped, what are your options? And I think a lot of players just drive and they get stopped and then they try and figure out what am I going to do with the ball? And therefore they turn it over because they're in a heated rush decision-making opportunity like or, or not opportunity. And what we want is we know that stealing time, the more time you have to make a decision, the better decision you're going to make. We teach that all the time. So how do players buy time? How do they put themselves into a safer situation? I think that improves basketball IQ. And I've got some thoughts and ideas on ways to do that, but I want to get your thoughts on that, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, better, more time, better decisions, less time, bad decisions. How do we improve time? We improve it by having vision and, you know, at our PGC summer sessions and, you know, I don't know what you teach in college right now with your older players, but playing off two feet gives you more time. A lot of players get into the lane and they jump and then try to decide, should I pass? Should I shoot? They commit themselves. And if you, if you land on two feet, you know, we say stay on the floor, you can do more. And it's so true because you're not committed. Now we then have to teach them the skills, how to be powerful with the ball, how to pivot correctly, different pivot options. You know, I've been teaching a lot lately, TJ Barkley's where, you know, you drive it, defender cuts you off and you keep your dribble, but you kind of turn it into a post up. You know, Villanova does this really well at the college level. You see a lot of the pros do it. You've seen that for years. Um, so those are those are both skills. And then along with that, you're teaching the IQ. But that, that's what comes to mind at first. Yeah. And so, coaches, what could you do here? All right. Let's just say that you turn the ball over because um, when you drive, you get into a bad situation at the end of the drive. Now, there's other situations. Players are just choosing the wrong drive. So you can improve their IQ on that. But let's stay in for a second on this particular topic where you drive and the help defense shows up and you're going to get stopped. And so what are options that people use and what do they teach to make your IQ go up so that you have skills that will allow you to get out of those situations? So a two foot jump stop will buy you time. So if you're going off one, you might travel, you might charge, you might there, it just a myriad of, of bad things can happen that would cause you to turn up. So two feet jump stop is going to buy you time so that you don't travel so that you don't charge somebody, right? That's, that's their IQ went up because they now don't get themselves into those turnovers. Some te- people teach the, the hockey dribble, you know, where you kind of like take your dribble and you go underneath the basket. Steve Nash made this really famous. That's another way um, you skate out of it and you just go underneath the basket and you look for people out on the perimeter. That's another way to avoid a turnover of a charge or going off of one foot. You mentioned another one, the Barkley. Turn your dribble into like a post-up opportunity. That's a way not to get off balance, out of control, and turn the ball over. Using a pullback dribble. So I drive, there's somebody there, I just want to pull back to the perimeter. And honestly, this can be based on who they are as a player. Not every player can Barkley somebody and you want them playing out of the post, right? Not every player can skate the dribble down the hockey dribbles. But if a player has two or three options, hey, I can two-foot jump stop, I can Barkley, or I can use my pullback. Or I can two foot jump stop or use the hockey dribble or use a pullback, like whatever your options are. 
All of those things are going to raise the IQ of the player. They're going to give them options. And I think that really is, you know, a unique way and and a really simple way to make sure that your player IQ goes up because they know how to get out of a bad situation, something that might turn into a turnover, like when I drive and the help side shows up. Well, the key to all of this is having vision. I always tell players, you can't read a book with your eyes closed, but so many players play the game with their eyes closed. So before you even drive the ball, if players get in the habit of peeking at the rim and seeing the floor, because a lot of players, TJ, at at a lot of levels, even higher levels, they just catch and start dribbling. They just attack or they they drive right because they're right-handed and that's their dominant, you know, most comfortable uh, drive. So we're talking about improving basketball IQ. But I think we've just spent the last few minutes talking about skills. So you got to acquire the appropriate skills to make better decisions. And back to turnovers, all turnovers aren't created equal. And I think a lot of coaches get upset with players and their turnovers. Throwing a backdoor pass to an aggressive defense uh, the first play of the game and you're trying to get a backdoor layup, but it's just not caught or it's a bad pass but it's putting pressure at the rim and putting, you know, pressure on that deep. That, that's a, I hate to say it, but that's a good turnover. That's better than a careless wing entry against a wing denial. That it's a maybe pass. Maybe it gets there. Maybe it doesn't. Taking an aggressive drive to the basket, uh, trying to get a fifth foul on the other team's best player, you know, and you get a charge on it, you know, that, that's one that's livable to me. Like it's an aggressive play at the rim, making a careless high risk, um, low reward, you know, 50 foot transition pass to me is less acceptable, less livable. So talking with our players about what might be a good turnover versus a really bad turnover, I think is a really important conversation too. Yeah. So let's, let's go in, let's just give one more example of improving the IQ on something that would limit uh, turnovers or limit bad decisions. So let's just back it up and let's just say, you know, we just talked about when the defensive help comes, let's back it up to like actually driving the basketball. So if I'm driving the basketball, there are certain things that are just going to put you in bad situations and helping players to realize Hey, if you do more of this and less of that, you're going to be in more better situations. So an example of one thing that we teach, you know, in practice a lot is, you know, if you look to your left and you look to your right and there's a big piece of the pie, then go to the bigger piece of the pie more often. An example is that if you got the ball on the right wing and you look down and 18 to 20 feet, there's nobody down there on the right side, but you look to the left side and there's a another offensive player within 10 to 12 feet and the defense is halfway between the two that limits your your driving space to six feet so you have six feet of driving space on your left you have 18 feet of driving space on your right and we call that buying real estate and read and react they teach that a lot like you know if, if there's uh, real estate buy it and if there's not much real estate then sell it you know don't go that way and so on the original drive if players did a better job of choosing the big piece of the pie, they would get into better situations. They'd have more space to be able to make a decision, you know, if something doesn't go well versus here, driving. Carlos, here's the, sorry to interrupt, but here's the problem with that. I agree with everything you said. A lot of players at younger levels, and I, uh, when I say younger, I'm going to define that as youth and elementary age, middle school, all the way to high school, even college. 
they they don't attack the bigger real estate because they don't have the skills. They can't right. dribble with that hand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's what I was that's what I was getting at. I think that there's multiple things that go into there. The one you just pointed out right there is they choose why do they choose the small piece of the pie? They choose the small piece of the pie, maybe because they predetermined what direction they're going. Maybe they only drive right or left well, right? There's different reasons why people choose the small piece of the pie. And so what we need to do is help them be able to choose the big piece of the pie. How do we do that? Well, we give them the skill to be able to go right or left on the drive. Two, we help them to recognize and make the read as quick as they can, maybe even before the catch, but at least right when they get the catch. Well, what if it's a really quick decision that they have to make? Is there any way to slow down that decision? Yeah, peek at the rim every time and square up, and it buys you one second to be able to read, should I go right or should I go left? But if you're not having vision, what you talked about earlier, and you don't recognize that there's help side to your left, but it's not to your right, then they're going to end up choosing that because they predetermined. So I think vision is another key one here, as well as being able to go multiple hands, being able to go right, left, have good vision, be able to make have a little bit more time to make the read. Yeah. And, you know, you, you opened up with this thought at the beginning, which is at a, at a PGC summer course where we do, you know, specialize, I think, in thinking the game. It's a lot of times – you got to hit players from different angles with it, but there's got to be a lot of film. There's got to be a lot of on-court practice time. And then I think the third thing is you got to talk with them about it. Like before practice, during practice, after practice, talk about situationals. You know, I, I go back to what I've, you know, studying Bill Belichick where he'll spend a lot of time in practice where he'll just, he'll stop practice and do a two minute drill or do situational goal line stuff and just putting players in more of those situations. What time, what happens oftentimes coaches, we, we let the game be the first time we've ever worked on big decisions. I know I'm going like more specific here, but I think it's a part of the basketball IQ. So we got it. We got to. Here's the question I'd get to what decisions happen the most on offense in your system and then are you repping that out the most in your practices? Yeah. Another thing is, you know, I think, you know, like you said, Bill Belichick, I think Molly at Grand Canyon, she uses those skinnies. You know, another thing is sometimes what I think a good coach does is we've talked about this before. They're kind of like a doctor, you know, they diagnose and they prescribe well. And there's many a times that you, like you just said, Sam, are, are what you do the most, the things that are getting the reps. Well, if you go into practice and all of a sudden you know, you get seven baseline drive turnovers. A good doctor would look at that and say, you know what, we probably aren't repping this or we don't have the tools given to them. And that's something that you immediately know needs to go into your player development, go into your breakdown, or you need to go skinny with it and just work on it right there. Or you need to take a two minute Belichick break and work on it in that moment. So there's a lot of ways to attack that, but you need to be able to recognize these things are causing us problems you know, in our system. And so we need to, we need to fix that. We need to go back and we need to get the skill acquisition or, or work on the reads, break this down more. And, and another way to do that, I think that really hits with players. And we do this in our summer sessions all the time is film, like show a player choosing the big piece of the pie or the small piece of pie, show a player going, driving baseline and the help defender comes 
here's a bad example. Here's a good example. I think a lot of players are visual and seeing it can really help them as it can help them as well. Oh yeah. I think it's huge. The, the film, you know, I think it about, I, I don't, I don't show enough film with, with our players, but that's huge. CJ, what do you think is, what do you think, what decision do you think happens the most in your offense that creates the most uh, problems for your players? You know, I, I think um, drive reads is one that happens a lot for us that becomes a problem. You know, like I think that players spend so much time working on particular drives, like in their player development and particular finishes. And, um, and I think that like, I'm going to go to this finish, even if it's not the right read, or I'm going to drive this way, even if it's not the right read. I think that that's been a common thing that we've seen over the years is predetermining how you're going to drive it, where you're going to drive it, or predetermining how you're going to finish, not recognizing if the help is late, recognizing if the help is early. I think that's one that has probably caused a lot of problems because there's a lot of variable parts in there. And so I think that that's one that we've continued to try and improve and need to continue to try and improve. Yeah. And we've probably talked about this on a previous Harwood Hustle episode. The players that we're all coaching, in my opinion, are more skilled than ever. They're also under taught more than ever, meaning they they know the moves, but they've been predetermined. So they're going to drive it and do this spin move or this Euro step because they worked with it so much in their training or with their trainer, and yet they don't know why they're doing it. And so coaches have to keep that in mind. If you see, you should see a lot of predetermined moves. Um, And then on on your drive reads, you you think players struggle the most with, um, I think, I think here's the challenge that happens with a system, offensive system, a coach, sometimes too many options um, is a problem. Too many options. And so Mike Neighbors is probably one of the best at this. And he, he actually, I think seven years running, led all college women's basketball in lowest turnover precision, percentage, excuse me. And why is that? Well, he eliminated a lot of decisions. He gives his players a lot of freedom, TJ, but then he, he puts them in boxes where it's like everybody's very clear on their roles. And because of that clarity and, and like little things like this, if you start a backdoor cut, you can't pop back out. You have to keep going. Because how many turnovers do you have a game where they start it and then they pop the, the player with the ball throws and it's a turnover. And so what neighbors did, has done a good job with is just having some distinct rules within the offense and it eliminates some of that decisions and then you eliminate turnovers. When you eliminate turnovers, you get more shots. You get more shots. You score more points. You score more points. You win more games. So that's something to keep in mind here is coaches thinking about what system do you run and are you giving them too many options? Yeah, you know, and all of these things are – there. there is ways to improve basketball IQ through your skill development. There's ways to improve basketball IQ – through your systems and strategies. There's ways to, you know, like you just alluded to, like limiting decisions, right? There's ways to eliminate um, or build up basketball IQ, I should say, in developing a player through reads and making better reads. There's actually also a way to develop basketball IQ 
through leadership. You know, like a, another one is like if a player during dead ball time is giving reminders to go do certain things, they're going to pay off on the next possession or they're talking on the defensive end or whatever it might be, that's actually going to raise basketball IQ too. And so, you know, I think a lot of times we think about, well, do this and you're smarter, do that and you're smarter. I mean, look, do do watch film. You're going to make smarter players. Do rep all those things up. But there's a lot of ways to improve basketball IQ. And, and the thing about them is they're all like little one percenters. If players communicate better, they're going to have a better IQ. If players work on reads, they're going to have a better IQ. If players know their escape routes when they get into trouble on a drive, they're going to have better IQ. If players understand what you're wanted, what's wanted from you out of systems and strategies, they're going to have better IQ. All of these are little one percenters that improve basketball IQ. The other relationship on this that I want to hit on, I'm going to summarize, but I think you just touched on it is, TJ, there's skills, there's reads, and then there's decisions. Those all three things are really important. So a player might make the right read, but it may be the wrong decision. Meaning, if you have a 22% three-point shooter catch it in the corner, what's the right read for, for most players? It's to shoot the three. But if you're not a good shooter, then the decision would be to catch – rip and drive it or catch into a dribble handoff. And so I think teaching, especially young players and coaches listening is to like I, I with the younger players I work with, I sometimes still tell them, Hey, I want you to just work on making the right read. Even if you're not a great shooter right now, the right read is to shoot the ball. So we're just going to shoot it. And then as you, as you get into competitive high school, college, professional ranks, of course, you got to talk about making the right decision. But I think it's important for coaches to know, the distinction between all three of those. Yeah. And let's talk about another one you talked about a second ago, shot selection when we were first opening up. And, you know, I don't know if coaches think about this as basketball IQ, but I think most coaches are frustrated by the shots that their team takes a lot of times. And when you're talking about shot selection or shot generation, how do we generate them out of our offense? If you're spending time teaching shot selection what you're going to see or you're going to assume is if my players have high clarity, and we talk about this, high clarity leads to high performance. If my team knows exactly what shots we're looking for on a regular basis and those are the shots that they are trying to take, they're going to look like much smarter players. And so a lot of times as coaches, we get frustrated like, oh, bad shot, don't shoot that shot. But it goes back to how much have you worked on that in practice, in the film room, in scouting reports, in conversations, to build up what a good shot is, because if your team is in the habit of taking a lot of good shots, they're going to look like their IQ is really high. And if they take a lot of bad shots, they're going to look like their IQ is low. And that really is controllable by the coach. If you're spending time teaching shot selection, they're going to look like you have a higher IQ as a team. How many coaches do you think teach shot selection? What percentage? You know, I don't, I, I think, you know, there's a decent percentage, I think, that uh, that teach shot selection. I think that the depth of what you teach shot selection probably is going to enhance the IQ. So if shot selection is a daily conversation with your team, I think the basketball IQ is going to go up. If you have a one-time session where you talk about these are the shots we're looking for, these are good and bad, like, yeah, you're only going to get a certain amount of, of reward for that. And so I, I think, uh, like many things, consistency is key. And so if you're trying to build a team with a better IQ, consistently making sure 
that they make solid reads when the help side defense shows up is important. If you're consistently talking about shot selection, then you're likely to get better shots. And both of those things are just two examples that are going to lead to your team looking like they have a higher IQ. I agree. I mean, yeah, shot selection is so huge. I know we spent a lot of time. I mean, you, you did a great job. You built out an entire course on it. So it, it can't be talked about enough, I don't think. we. I talk about it every day with players. Now, and we've talked a lot about TJ offensive IQ right now. We've been talking about decisions with the ball. I want to flip it for a second to improving basketball IQ defensively. And I think this one's not talked about. There's there's players on your team right now, not not you, but there probably is on your team, but coaches listening that are maybe costing you four to six points a game because of bad decisions on defense. What poor decisions do you see pop up the most uh, on defense, TJ? You know, well, there's a lot of them. But if you were to break down defense, right, like, I mean, I think – a big part of that effort is just the first thing that comes to mind. And so that's another thing that your players are going to look smarter if they play with maximum effort because they're going to erase mistakes. And so I think that people underestimate how important that is to a player looking smart on the defensive end is just maximum effort. I think that's a one percenter there. The second thing that I think of when I think about that is just um, angles. And I think there's a lot of ways to improve defenders and make them smarter. But one of the things that I think we focus on the most, and I think that is really crucial to making a good defender is understanding angles. I'd say basketball as IQ is low in a one-on-one defensive situation or a help side defense situation because they don't understand angles. And it goes back to the first one of effort. I've had players that have given maximum effort but didn't understand angles. So they look smarter than a player that doesn't give great effort, but they also don't look super intelligent because they're working twice as hard as another player who understands angles really well. And so defensively, you know, I think, um, you know, like sawing down or limiting driving angles by by playing good angles. I think um, closing down passing, you know, opportunities because you understand good angles uh, there's just a rebounding, you know, understanding the right angle to take to get a box out. And I think that really makes players look smarter is when they understand how to use angles to their advantage. The biggest one I see made a mistake is the KYP, know your people or know your personnel, like who you're guarding. So many times players, they get beat by the the same way over and over and over again by the player they're guarding. It's just like sit on their right hand, make them go left. Uh, they're a shooter. Make them put it on the floor. They're not a shooter. Don't close out. Don't close out long on them. Uh, so that's the number one poor basketball IQ thing I see. And then I kind of mentioned it, but a second thing would be bad closeouts, like not knowing how to close out. I think you're you're touching on that with angles. You know, we're really big on funneling the ball sideline. So we work a lot on like closeouts, closing with the right angle to force the ball back sideline, especially in a scramble situation. And then the third thing I see is is overhelp. We sometimes overhelp when the when the on ball defender has has control of that offensive player. And so that's more the art of teaching defense. And you have to like stop play in practice and, and you gotta walk back through it and say, hey, right here. Uh, Chris had TJ underneath the rim. There was no need to continue and come help. Stay home on the shooter on the weak side. 
And so I think coaches have to be willing to break away from a bit of their principles to teach some of those nuances to their players. So repeat that KYP, bad closeouts, and then overhelp are the things to see that are, are just basketball IQ on the defensive side. Yeah, I agree with all those. And, you know, I think the important thing for coaches to do, and I think it would be really helpful, is just, just maybe make a list of frustrations. And when you make a list of frustrations, things that aren't going well for you offensively, defensively, or with personnel, individual players, how can I help that? How, how can I help uh, players to understand or to gain a 1% or gain a little bit of knowledge that's going to make them look like a smarter player? Because, look, I think there's generally improving basketball IQ, like just understanding of the game and why people do what they do and why Steph uses screens the way he does. And like there's general understanding of that. But I also think there's a ton of like little tricks and trades of like understanding the angles, like just let them know when a player drives baseline that if you try and beat them to the spot, the old Wayne Gretzky, you know, run to where the ball is going to be, not where the ball is. You know, so many players do that. A guy drives and they run right at him and they're late to the play. Run to where the ball's going and get ahead of the ball and you're going to be better at understanding angles. Like that's a really simple thing that doesn't take a high level of understanding and knowledge to make somebody a better defender. But those are the types of things as coaches that are little one percenters that are going to instantly improve your player's ability to execute things in the course of the game, which is going to make them look like a smarter basketball player. And, it, and when your players are smarter basketball players, they're going to have more fun and they're going to be more bought into what's going on. I think we underestimate basketball IQ. Uh, we overestimate sometimes – size and speed and athleticism, those things are great. I, I want big players that can run fast and are quick and smart. I just think we undervalue oftentimes high basketball IQ, knowing who you're guarding, making the right decision with the ball in your hands, making the right pass, not over dribbling, not trying to split two defenders, not trying to make the fancy pass to get the oohs and the ahs. Those to me, like, especially I've said this to you recently, like coaching in college again, I think I would, if I ever got back into college coaching, I would put a high premium. Well, I'd start with like their passion for basketball, their competitiveness, and then right up there with those is basketball IQ. Yeah. Got one final thought. I mean, we could go on this forever, but hopefully coaches are understanding there's a lot of ways to improve basketball IQ. And, and the thought kind of stems from something that you just said is, you know, why do coaches trend towards bigger, faster, stronger athletes? And here's why I think they do that is because they can cover up more mistakes. They're going to get beat off the dribble. There's a whole bunch of things that are going to happen. But bigger, stronger, faster athletes can cover up mistakes. Well, what if you have players that aren't bigger, faster, stronger athletes? I think you can still do the same thing. They can cover up mistakes just a different way, but they're going to be, it's going to be a necessity that they have a good basketball IQ. So, for example, if a big, fast athlete sees somebody get beat, they're late to the read, they might cover it up by going up and pinning it on the backboard. All right. Well, let's take the smaller athlete that's not as fast, not as quick. Well, can they cover up a mistake too? Yeah, they absolutely can. They need to read the play a little bit earlier. They need to be able to get over there before the player gets set and go take a charge. And both create the same result. 
a player got beat on a drive and a big, fast, big, fast athletic athlete covered it up. Well, in the same scenario, somebody got beat off the drive and a smaller, not as big, not as fast athlete took a charge and that covered up the mistake as well. And so, look, if you could have a big, fast, strong athlete with a really high IQ, obviously you want that. But not all of us have those options. Well, developing and building basketball IQ and those other athletes is going to allow them to cover up those mistakes just as well. And so that's a, something that you want for all of your athletes. And you can enhance a big, fast, strong athlete, but you can also improve the game of an athlete that doesn't necessarily have those physical tools. Yeah, and to, to cap off my final point, TJ, would be the question for coaches to think about what are you doing to – teach your players how to think the game, how to think the game on offense, how to think the game on defense, how to think the game in dead balls, meaning free throws, timeouts, how to do your preparation before the game starts so that you know your teammates and you know your opponent really well. And that's that's oftentimes the first step in becoming a smarter basketball player. So what are you doing, coaches, to teach your players those things so that you can you know, reduce your frustration and have more fun with it. Yeah. So coaches, I mean, straight up challenge to you right here is quit complaining about what's not going well and find solutions and particularly find basketball IQ solutions, things and tools that you can give to them to be able to cover up mistakes, to recover better, to erase opportunities for the other team or to create opportunities for themselves. And you're going to do that by building better at basketball IQs in your players. And hopefully we gave you some ideas on how to do that today. So, hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you got anything you want to add to it, hit us up at hardwood underscore hustle. For today, hey, he is Sam Allen. I am TJ Rosine, and we are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. We want to bring you quality content and journey with you. Don't forget to stay up to date with us on social media by following at hardwood underscore hustle. Until next time, thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.